Hello everybody, welcome back to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Got a lot to break down today, a lot of stuff actually pertaining to big men in the NBA. But before we dive into it, please do make sure you subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. We're on the drive for 10,000 subscribers. We're almost there, so if you haven't done so yet, make sure you do hit that subscribe button and don't forget to turn on notifications as well. Keith, we we can't wait on this any longer. The big news that we have to get into, Taco Fall has a home. For some reason, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers. (laughs) Yeah, that's the part that doesn't make sense. And that is clearly the big news of the day. So, but guys, buckle up. This is probably going to be, what, two, three hour long episode where we break down tacos fit in Cleveland. I I assume they brought him in to run point guard uh, alongside uh, Mobley and Markinen and uh, uh, Jared Allen and they, they got to have another big guy floating Ke- around Kevin somewhere. Love, throw him out there, right? Oh, Kevin Love, there it is, yeah, perfect. Wheel him out. Yeah, Kevin fine. Love probably play the three, Mark and mm-hmm. play the two, uh, Point Taco. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I mean, since we're talking about it, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I hope he makes the team. I wish Taco nothing but the best. He is yeah. uh, one of my favorite people I've covered, both at UCF, uh, down the road from me here in Orlando, as well as with the Celtics. So I hope he makes it, but my guess is this is probably a camp thing, and then he'll be uh, playing for the – I don't even know if they're still in Canton. They might not be, but the charge of the G- Cavs uh, G League team. So, so, uh, But real news yeah. involves some other big men. And the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Uh, the rich get richer. Paul Millsap. We've been waiting for this one mm-hmm. for him to come off the board for a little bit. And he's going to the Nets. And we know for certain it's a one-year veteran minimum contract. Uh, so he'll be on the cap sheet for about $1.7 million. He'll make about two point six or so. Uh, but that that's where he's headed because that's all the Nets had to offer. They, they don't have anything else that they could give him beyond the veteran minimum. Yeah, I mean – we had heard a number of contending teams were interested in him. The Golden State Warriors was one of them. The Bulls tried to get into the mix to grab him if they could. Uh, but ultimately, he decided to go to the Nets. And now you've got a combination of Millsap, Blake Griffin. You've got you've got some size there. And I think this just adds more fuel to the fire behind the whole DeAndre Jordan potentially getting bought out story that we were covering. Yeah. So it, that seems even more likely. And then when that gets almost immediately followed up by LaMarcus Aldridge, has been cleared and is leaning towards returning to the Brooklyn Nets. That says, yeah, DeAndre Jordan probably on his way out of town. But I guess before we even get too deep into all of that stuff, the the most important piece to this is how awesome is it that Aldridge can come back? That was gut-wrenching when he it looked like his career was over. Yeah. Um, so, so happy. He doesn't I don't care what team he winds up going to. It's just it's amazing that he's able to come back and get on the floor again. Yeah, it's it's I, I will openly admit I'm slightly terrified. And I hope yeah. that he is, you know, uh, fine. Um, I that will forever be scarred of being a uh, teenager and hearing Reggie Lewis has been cleared to resume practicing, and uh, shortly thereafter he passed away. So mm-hmm. hopefully everything is good with Aldridge, and hopefully everybody's going to be really smart about this. And you know, uh, nothing but the best. And assuming that is all good. A hundred percent. We always want guys to be able to end their career on their terms. You don't want anybody to have it taken away from them before they're ready to. I know some people don't like the idea that he's with the Nets and all those kind of things, but but whatever. It is what it is. And he actually was pretty good. He only played five yeah. games for the Nets, but twelve point eight points, four point eight rebounds, two point two blocks. The blocks is 
probably the least real right, of that. Yeah. He's that's not necessarily what he does, but yeah, now they've got kind of a four big rotation of him and Griffin and Millsap and Nick Claxton. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, Jordan, 100%, he's going to be gone. Uh, my guess is they're just working on whatever the number will be, yeah. uh, before he goes, and then they're gonna have to wave somebody else as well. My, my guess is that'll probably be uh, Alizé Johnson, um, who's on a non guaranteed contract, and that'll be uh, the finalization of the Nets roster there and it's a whole lot of veteran guys a couple young guys and we'll see what their depth you know ultimately is able to do but that that team is to the point now where if they don't make the finals or maybe even win the finals you got to start looking at it as a disappointing season oh absolutely I think they're well past that point it is it is championship or bust I think anything less than winning a championship is a disappointment for them because they have stacked up so much talent on this squad you look I mean even their big rotation Millsap Aldridge potentially right uh Griffin this is going to be incredible and Claxton I mean is he he might be the most able-bodied of the group certainly (laughs) has younger legs there but sure uh, but all of these guys can come in and make an impact in the playoffs then of course you've got your big three with James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving added Patty Mills like they they've got talent for days I didn't even mention Joe Harris yet who's one of the best shooters in the NBA so this is going to be a very exciting next Nets team to watch and uh, they should be really really good be cautious of buying Nets tickets is my advice because if they're on either end of a back-to-back, you might not see some of the guys you think uh, you're looking for. I, I would really look heavily at the schedule first and see are they on a third game in four nights or something like that because it's they they have the depth to liberally rest guys and much like and this is by no means a criticism but much like the Lakers, they're they don't care about winning sixty plus regular season yeah. games that that doesn't mean a thing for them get to the playoffs ideally have home court advantage just to make it a little easier on yourself but but they're, they're not going to push overly hard and if anybody's feeling you know someone wakes up with the sniffles or a slightly sore hamstring they're not playing because they just don't need to they, they and for the nets especially i mean the lakers too but their season had kind of already fallen apart due to injury but the nets learned in the playoffs you're not healthy and ready to go late that that you know they might be thinking still that they missed out on a finals appearance because they had a couple guys go down so oh yeah, I, I think I, that's fair i would just be cautious i think yeah, it's very yeah. fair for them to look at this and i thought i thought based on the entire season i thought the nets when they had at least two of their stars in the playoffs were playing the highest level basketball we saw of anybody all season so i think yeah, it's very think very fair. reasonable for them to look at last year's playoffs which was just you know a few months ago here um not even uh to look at these last playoffs and say yeah, yeah it's amazing how quickly it's it's all come up <laughs> know, right? but um but to look at that and say if we were healthy we're probably hoisting a championship trophy right now if we yeah. were even reasonably healthy even if we had two of our guys healthy i think they get past the milwaukee box and i think they would be the reigning champions right now and yet that's why we play the games Absolutely. right because Stuff happens, you know, thing, things happen and guys miss time. So uh, another big man in another the big Clint Capella, two year deal with the Atlanta Hawks gets an extension, two years, $46 million uh, came the came over to Atlanta from the Houston Rockets when they were trying to make room for Russell Westbrook. That feels like a lifetime ago, but it really wasn't <laughs> all that long ago to uh, to be able to get to the basket. They didn't want to run a traditional center anymore, and so he got traded over to the Atlanta Hawks and seems to have found a home there, and uh, now he's going to be there for a little while. Two years, $46 million for for Capella. Pretty good deal, and uh, the Hawks are looking dangerous as ever. 
Yeah, they really are. And they, they, they were going to be really good this year anyway, I think. You know, it's Capella and Collins and uh, Trey Young, of course, mm-hmm. is, is the team leader. But they've got really good depth. They, they might actually have a guy or two too many yeah. uh, at this point, especially with guys like uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish coming back from injuries. They'll have some decisions it, to make when those rookie contracts start to, you know, get towards yeah. the end. Yeah, and it's going to be a you know a difficult conversation for Nate McMillan to have I think on a nightly basis because someone's just not going to play and and when they're all healthy and this is different than like the Lakers or the Nets who we just talked about because they're not filled with a whole bunch of uh, towards the end of their career veteran guys who it's a little easier to say hey you know we, we really need you to sit out the other thing that that's very interesting about this is now they committed the big money to Collins and his extension uh, this year is he got about, let's call it an average of 25 million a year uh, for the next um, five seasons. And then of course, Trey young. And if young makes all NBA, he'll qualify for the uh, designated rookie Rose rule, which is going to bump him up uh, to that second tier. So he'll be with Luca on the $207 million mm-hmm. five year contract. But beyond those two, it was like, hey, well, they don't have a, ton of definite money on the books and, and now they do now now you've got 22 million for capella in 23 24 and then 23.7 million in 24 25 so the hawks are going to be capped out for a while but they have nice transitional pieces that they can do some stuff with if they need to uh, go a different direction or add something else or find that they're missing some other player mm-hmm. or have a hole on the roster they've like we said they might have too many guys well then you've got that also means you've got a whole bunch of trade pieces that you can work with as well. So very interesting team, not only this coming season to see, because now they're, now they're the hunter a little bit, right? They're not the hunted anymore. Now everybody knows you're coming. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well done. Um, so they, uh, yeah, maybe they'll put a, uh, herder, Kevin herder on some teams. Oh. Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> that was a stretch. That was a reach. I went way up here for that one. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, but it's going to be interesting to see how not only this year dealing with success plays out, but then what happens in the future with this team, because they're, they're set up to do some stuff. Yeah, and they certainly are. And look, they they had the most success we've seen in a long time last season. So now they're they're ready to continue that forward. And like you mentioned, in terms of flexibility, it's not just that they've got movable pieces. They've got move, movable pieces that people are going to want, right? When we look yes. at a young players, we talk about Herder, we talk about DeAndre Hunter, you talk about Cam Reddish. What is it every team in the NBA is looking for? Wings who can shoot and they've got those. You can say they've got too many of them, but that's fine. If you've got too many of them, they're still in high demand. You're going to get top dollar out on the trade market, you know, assuming nothing crazy goes on. And then you still have guys like Gallinari. You've got Bogdanovich, right? You've got these other pieces that fit in, fit in pretty well. So I like the position the Hawks are in right now, even if it might not be a complete picture at the moment, I think they are in good position and Come the trade deadline, they could be a team to watch to make a move to try to really push themselves over the top or at least put them up into that top tier in the Eastern Conference because I don't think they're quite there yet. Yeah, and they've got Gallinari's uh, pseudo-expiring mm-hmm. contract because he's only guaranteed for $5 million next year. And that's, uh, so that would be $20 million in trade that they could use this year. So that becomes really interesting if it was like, all right, we feel pretty good about what we have here. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned, you know, and the nice thing is they've drafted some of those guys high too. So they're carrying a little bit higher rookie scale numbers than, than uh, 
than we normally think of. So, you know, you could even look at it and say, oh, we've got Capella now for the next couple of years. Do we want to move in Onyeka Kongwu? Do we want to package him and um, Cam Reddish together? And that's 10 plus million in matching salary. And then we've got DeLon Wright and Lou Williams and Gorgie Jang. I mean, they, they can get to whatever number they need to get to to make a trade. So, yeah, Atlanta, they, they're going to be really good one way or another. And as I think you were alluding to, they're well positioned to fill any holes that they have. Absolutely. Um, speaking of, you mentioned the Lakers earlier, the Mavericks taking a page out of the Lakers playbook. They worked out Isaiah Thomas, Monte <laughs> Ellis, and Lance Stevenson. Blast from the past. All work out for the Dallas Mavericks guys who are trying to get back into the NBA. You know what? Isaiah Thomas actually got some pretty high reviews from his Lakers yeah. workout, and the word was that he was and going to be the, the guy. Yeah, he was He was yeah. going to be the, the guy that was uh, the Lakers were going to sign, and then Rondo got bought out. And so they decided to go in that direction. But IT has been getting good reviews there. Monte Ellis has it all. So, I mean, he could be a, a fit there for the Mavericks. This is this is interesting. I, I am kind of hoping for Lance Stevenson because I think the NBA needs more three guitar in the, in its life. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about veteran players trying to come back with some of these teams? How often does this really work out? Yeah, not in the case of Stevenson and Ellis, not very often because yeah. they've been away for a couple of years now. So I'm not entirely sure. They, they want to say Monte Ellis is like 36 now too. Yeah. So he's also getting up there, uh, which is, is insane because he was always thought of as this young guard who mm-hmm. did the jump right from high school back in the day. And it was, I remember just a million conversations and questions of, I don't know if it'll work for a guard to you know make that jump. And right. then it clearly did. He had a good long career, but uh, yeah, I, Lance Stevenson, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think maybe Isaiah, he looked okay last year with the Pelicans. So I'm hoping he catches on. He's just, I love that guy. Yeah. He's one of my favorite uh, guys to watch and cover. So I'm, I'm really hoping he gets uh, with somebody and has an actual role and is able to play. But my guess is even if this is not an immediate thing, he at least has put himself in a position where as long as he stays in pretty good shape, Shape. when somebody needs a point guard at some point this year they're they're probably going to call him and say hey you want to come in and didn't you know, link up with us and you know my my hope would be it's on a good team where he can actually play a role yeah and of course that would be that would be great to see um and the Mavs they kind of already had a reclamation project in uh in Trey Burke and that worked out for them yeah. so i mean the never weird know thing here. is right they still have trey burke and they have yeah. jalen brunson and luke is right. their main guy so i'm not entirely sure that there's you know a fit there but it doesn't hurt to do do this right this is why you bring these guys in just see mm-hmm. because maybe a month from now you don't have one of those guys for some reason and then you're you're kind of looking for a guard and at least you've already touched base and you've seen them in person and you're not having to scramble to do it last minute uh, another blast from the past, kind of. Not he's still not that old. Dennis Smith Jr. landing yeah. with the Blazers. I remember at one point thinking, okay, Dennis Smith Jr. This is going to be the guy to come out of this draft. I think I want to say he was the ninth pick or something like that. And we yeah. thought this. He is so ready, NBA ready, and uh, just didn't really work out. But now he's uh, catching on with the Blazers. Looks like never got better for Dennis Smith Jr. than it did at summer league that first year because yeah. he came out and you could tell he was 
going at everybody who had been picked before him and he was going to take them out. And I remember talking to some folks with Dallas and I was sitting next to, to a Dallas scout and he came out and he's like, look, look at, look at him. And he just, he had this look in his eyes, like I'm going to wreck this guy who's playing across from me. And it was, you know, and and then he proceeded to do it and they were so excited and, and they felt like they gave up something pretty important when they traded him to get Kristaps Porzingis. But Never worked out for him in New York. He actually didn't play bad for the Pistons. I thought he was kind of okay, but you always got to wonder late, late season, terrible team. You know, what does that do? I don't know what his role would be in Portland. If he can even make that team uh, out of camp, they don't have a G league team. So this isn't a signing that's designed to get him to their G league team. So I'm not sure. My guess is he's going to have to log some G league time uh, because overseas opportunities have dried up a little bit now uh, lately. In, in the game here uh, as the NBA offseason gets started later. So, uh, yeah, my guess is we see him probably in the G League and he is working his way back to try to get back to the NBA because we're kind of running into, I put this on Twitter, we're running in the last chance saloon for him. Yeah, yeah, that does appear to be where things are at right now. Uh, a couple of two-way contracts, Marcus Garrett, Jaquari McLaughlin to the Miami Heat. Um, I mean, they're kind of rounding Garrett to out the Heat, are- McLaughlin to the Mavericks. Oh, McLaughlin was to the Mavericks. I had yeah. that wrong. Okay. Well, I threw that note at you about two seconds before yeah, we started that's right. recording, so that's on me. I put them both down um, to the down to the heat. But to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, those could be creative characters, Keith. You could be messing with me right now in terms of those be, names. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I promise. Uh, Marcus Garrett showed up in summer league as a defender. Uh, he's a big big guard. He's got, he's about probably. Real size, he's probably 6'4", 6'5". Mm-hmm. Um, he has a primary ball handler, that's great size. He can really defend. He's got pretty good on-ball defense. Shot didn't look all that good in summer league, so we'll see. Uh, he shot it well his senior year at Kansas, but that's one year that he shot it well. And then McLaughlin was a big-time scorer. I want to say UC Santa Barbara maybe, um, if I remember correctly. I'm going to look just because, you know, I, I don't like to get things wrong. Um but yeah, he was um, a big time scorer in college. So we'll see. He played for the Warriors, UC Santa Barbara. I was correct. Um, he uh, he played for the Warriors at summer league. So we'll see uh, what he can do do for Dallas as a two way player. So that's what what we're in right now. Millsaps yeah. off the board now. So there's a couple other interesting veterans. James Ennis, Avery Bradley are still yeah. out there, but it's pretty much dried up at this point. So you're going to see over the next two, three weeks, you're going to see a flood of camp signings as teams are bringing guys in for camp. Uh, A lot of these guys will get maybe up to 50,000 guaranteed because that's the most you can give a player and a guarantee and then still have them play for your G league team. So we're going to see a lot of that. And then you're going to see teams fill out their two way spots uh, for the for the most part. We're down to I we I don't think we've talked this, but it, we're it's tweaked a little bit now. But there's mm-hmm. only two teams, Phoenix and Portland are the only two teams who don't have their own G League team. Right. Uh, at, at this great. point, Because Denver picked up the former um, Detroit team as Detroit kind of created a new team uh, to be their team. So, yes. Yeah, so they're. Um, so, yeah, and then this year, you know, barring everything going the way it's supposed to, uh, the G League will add the Mexico City team 
uh, this year, but they're unaffiliated. So they, they don't have an affiliate team. Um, I'm not quite sure why Phoenix doesn't just jump on that and work yeah, that with them, sense. but, but they're not, but Phoenix actually sold their team to Detroit, which is how Detroit now has a team. So there's your, your G league update, uh, there, but yeah, it's, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where Adam Silver has said multiple times he wants all 30 teams to have a G League team, have an affiliate. And then, we, of course, we have the Ignite. Um, we'll be back. And they'll, it sounds like they're going to, in the bubble, they played just like everybody else did. It sounds like they will go back to what it was supposed to be, um, which is them playing a – they'll play sometimes against the G League teams, but it won't be games that count on the G league schedule and then a new team in Birmingham as well. That's the Pelicans. Um, and go check out their, they're the Birmingham squadron, um, which That's is super right. cool because mm-hmm. it's a squadron of Pelicans. And it's also to, um, to, uh, honor the, the, uh, Tuskegee airmen, mm-hmm. um, from, from the general vicinity over there. So I think that's super cool. Um, really cool logos too. They did the, um, I think, is it called a Fleur de Lis? I think is how, how you say yep, that. That's it. Um, they did it, but it's airplanes um, flying out of like the the like curves and the points, yeah. which is is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so go check those out. So that, that's a little bit on the G League there as, as we you know try to be uh, you know conscious and cover everything. Very cool. I'll definitely have to check that out. Uh, it would be great to see all thirty teams actually have a, a G League affiliate mm-hmm. squad because look, this is. At first, you could question, like, okay, does having a G League team really help you? But it feels like as time has gone on, it's become more and more impactful. We're seeing more and more players who are fighting their way up from the G League. It's becoming more of what it was intended to be in terms of a a farm system for the NBA, which is great. You can get guys in, develop talent. And if you can find a guy that comes up through your G League program, well, for a team that might be capped out, that can be a diamond in the rough that you find. That can be a major piece, Um, even for teams that aren't capped out. This gives you an opportunity yep. to add add somebody into your program that can come in and, and help you. Now, nobody's found a star out of the G League or anything like that just yet, but someday it might happen. So I think it's very cool and, that that's, that's and- all set up. Teams are using them now, how Major League Baseball uses their minor yeah. league teams for like rehab assignments, especially teams like the Celtics, the Lakers, and a whole bunch of others whose teams are right down the road from them where they'll they'll have a guy, hey, go practice with the team and you know, see how you're looking and maybe even play in a game or two, uh, just to kind of get your timing and rhythm and feel back and mm-hmm. then we'll we'll bring you up and play uh, with the real team and then they also those back end of the roster guys uh especially if they're younger guys who aren't seeing any time in the with the big club they'll shuttle them down there especially again if they're close they're, right. they're gonna uh, move them you know back and forth uh with, with those guys so yeah i think it's um it's one of those things too i think i think we're gonna see the g league process be a big part of the next cba negotiations because i think we're looking at a couple things once we get to the each team has their own affiliate then you can do things like draft reform because there's been a lot of talk of adding uh, another round to the draft. Um, then you could even do it where you know third round picks have to play in the G League for X amount of time or something along those lines and those kind of things. And and I think that's where they'll do more linking of where maybe you're able to call players up and send players down uh, potentially a little bit more like Major League Baseball does it, where it feels like there's more of a connection because right now. It's the couple two-way players and maybe a guy or two on assignment. 
that you feel like, all right, hey, they're playing for the uh, South Bay Lakers. We feel like they're you know real Lakers because they're here. Right. But then everybody else is is an NBA free agent that's just playing for that G League team, and they can be signed by anybody. So it's going to be really kind of cool to see what this looks like. Of you know, let's see how does this this look? How do we expand this? Um, one of the things I was also told, just as an aside, um, if we remember prior to this past season. You could only have 13 active players uh, per night on your roster. And yeah. you had to have at least 14 um, in or four inactive players of your 17-man roster, assuming your roster was completely full. Uh, this past year, they wanted they went up to 15. It was only two inactive players uh, because they were trying to help everybody out with COVID and right. all Just those other things that happened. Um, there's a push from the coaches. They want it to be 15. They want it to stay at 15 active players. And that's, you know, so it's going to be curious to see how that goes. Um, I've always looked at it as if they're on the roster, why can't they why not? play? Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't, I've never, and now I'm not saying if a guy's hurt, you should get extra roster spots. Cause you know, 17 guys available on a basketball team is more than enough. Um, but yeah, it's, and I've always, just as an aside, I've always felt the same thing with the NFL. It's kind of, why are we making guys inactive just because yeah. like, I've never really fully understood uh, the reasoning why we need to continue to do that. But just a little tidbit there that I've heard from some places that uh, uh, from the team side, they're pushing to have the players active. And of course the players don't, they would prefer to be active because that's a chance to play yeah. um, versus, you know, if you're a healthy team and you're the 15th guy on the roster, you're not going to be active. Most nights you're going to be sitting on the, you know, sitting on the bench and in a shirt and tie and hanging out watching the game. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it just, it makes too much sense to just keep it that yeah. way. It's, it's kind of like, so coaches not having to wear suits on the sideline, right? <laughs> yes. Whereas last season, like I was used to that. Right away. Yeah. It was it was not a big deal at all. And if I was a coach, I would be much more comfortable. I mean, some coaches, hey, if you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. But for some yeah. coaches, they, they were clearly more comfortable just wearing whatever they were allowed to wear. Was a pullover, you know, that type of Honestly, stuff. Honestly, so- I liked it because I thought most of the teams, too, the, the, the whole coaching staff wore the same thing. Yeah. Yep. So, like, it, it was like they were, like, like I don't want to say they were in a uniform, but there was uniformity uh, to them. And you could really, all right, there it is. And, and we're going back to now, they talked about how the, the, the benches aren't going to be quite as spread out, which mm-hmm. we knew that was coming. That's uh, some valuable real estate there <laughs> courtside yes. uh, uh, for, for ticket sales. But we, we knew that was coming, but yeah, it's going to be, um, yeah, keep the polo thing. Um, let's, we, it's as long as we don't go so far that they're in a uniform, like major league baseball. No, does, let's not do that. Um, Cause that would be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and it's funny cause there was actually an article this week on, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was about Major League Baseball and how some of the uh, younger managers, they mm-hmm. don't they, they might wear the uniform bottoms, the pants, but they don't wear the like jersey anymore. They they wear like a sweatshirt or a jacket right. or something like that instead. So that's a uh, yeah, I mean that's you know, and I've never understood that in baseball. Why does the you know, a big fat manager like me need to be in the uniform that's overly tight and he looks kind of goofy? It's one of those things, and whether it's baseball, whether it's it's NBA, and we're talking about 15 players being available to play, or whether it's what the coach wears, it's one of those things that kind of falls in that category of, well, it is that way because it's always been that way. Yep. And, and it <laughs> yep. just takes somebody to stop and say, wait, why? Why why are we doing yep. this this way? Why wouldn't it be better to do it this way for everybody to, to realize, hey, yeah, that actually would be would probably be better. So I would in like to see 15 active. corporate life. 
I had a rule for every team that worked with me that was if your answer is because that's how we've always done it, that's not a good enough answer. No. The the right answer may be to continue to do the way we've always done it, but it, but that can't be the reason why. Uh, so yeah, so anytime that's what, what we hear, I'm, I'm I tend to go the other way on that one, uh, almost just out of gut, you know, reaction of it. It almost you know kind of makes me cringe, and then I'm like, yeah, you know, let's let's go a different direction. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be fun, and there's a whole bunch of stuff we're not going to get into it here, but uh, things that'll come up about vaccinated players and what oh, they can yeah. and can't do. And, I already started uh, both to see stuff new, come out. Yeah, and both of the New York teams and the uh, Warriors in San Francisco, because of local regulations, players are not allowed in the building if they're not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be very, very interesting to see how that is handled. Um, And again, that's not a – I don't know that the NBA has the power to supersede that because those are government – local government regulations. So that's going to be really curious to see uh, where this goes. And that's – the NBA has already come out. All the referees must be vaccinated vaccinated all um anybody basically who's like on the floor like as part of the game that's a non-player uh will need to be there as well or have to have uh, prior exclusion reasons and those kind of things so um we'll, well well just something to keep an eye on that we'll all be kind of watching here as the season gets cranked up we're less than four weeks from training camps opening we are uh, 26 right. days away Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for it. We've got football one week from today. We've got the NBA season coming back just right around the corner. World Cup Let's qualifier go. tonight for the That's US That's right. Men's World National Cup qualifier team. tonight. I'll yeah. be doing a I'll be doing I've got a live show to do tonight for Lakers Nation. Oh, I've got a fantasy football draft and at the same time I'm going to have the World Cup qualifier on. I wish Kristen uh, Pulisic was playing, but whatever. As long next as they time, get in, get it done. Well, when yep. they're back 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 at home. Yep. Uh, it sounds next like one. he's going to go. So, yeah. All yeah, right, that's, that's where our fandom intersects. <laughs> yes, we're, that's we're, right. We're, that's the one team I think we might be uh, fans of together. So we'll both yeah. be pulling for go USA. That's right. That's right. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA front office YouTube channel. The NBA season, like Keith said, right around the corner. Let's go. Let's get fired up for that. We're going to be coming at you with plenty of content, especially once the season starts up. Instead of like every other day, you're going to be getting the show every single day, pretty much once the season starts up. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you are subscribed. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. And of course, make sure you like this video. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and see you.